Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode four of season two. Today is a rather sunny day here in Alabama. I think we got up into the 50s, so that's always cool. I really do not hanker to cold weather. It is not my friend, and depression is easy for me in the winter. So it was nice to have the sun It's nice to walk around all my fallow fields and think about what's going to come. I'm going to go ahead and not speak to you about chickens today because even I don't think I could take another minute of that. We feel the same. And I think I know what I want to talk about. I'm not really good about setting up notes and guidelines and things because it keeps me hamped in. And if I'm too hamped in, the magic doesn't happen, so... I've just got this idea that I want to kind of play out with y'all. See what you think. Today, I got tagged in a Facebook post underneath my real name. I know you're shocked. (laughs) And it was a student of mine, a graduate student. In case I haven't um, been clear enough about this, I'm actually a professor. And these days, I teach online. Well, this student of mine was, I like to tell her back then, she was feral. And she had such a wry sense of humor, I knew she took it well. I mean, she knew exactly how to shock her other teachers. And she knew what she was doing when she would throw a stunner of a first line into a paper. And it hadn't gotten her anywhere before, not till she met me. And in this post, she was telling everybody how she had a dream about meeting me in person and, you know, me quoting back a line of her work to her and how it felt like coming home. And we've never met in person. So when I've had this particular student in my class twice, I think, in her graduate studies, and she is now graduated. She's done. Her thesis is over. But she kept on talking in this post that she tagged me in and She told me that, um, well, I'm not going to quote it directly, but she told me that I helped her with theory like nobody ever did because I allowed her to sort of see it as a suggestion instead of a rule, and she was able to think for herself as a philosopher. And that got me to thinking about all kinds of different things. If you know the way my mind works, my witch brain, it connects dots that I think other people would think were giant leaps, but here we go. It's always been my method when I teach, to ask the students to do the very thing that happens in Dead Poet Society, and that is to either rip out or completely ignore the preface written by some grand theorist that tells you how to think about everything you're about to read. You know the ones. Mm-hmm. I don't like those things. I don't like prefaces. Epilogues, maybe, but prefaces always are sort of I don't know, just sugarcoating. No, it's not sugarcoating, really. It's, here's how I have perceived everything you're about to read and how you should also experience that. And that's hogwash to me. 
total and utter hogwash. If we wanted to read an article, some scholarship on how you perceive this or what academia perceives it to be, we'll go do that. It really, in my estimation, should never be in the preface. That's one thing I did. The other thing I did every time I've ever taught literary theory is, you know, I go ahead and assign the big chunk of something absolutely dense and to them painstakingly above their pay grade, you know. Derrida, Mikhail Foucault, Bakhtin, you know, I really want to mess with them, Julie Kristeva. And then they come to class and they would sit there with their eyes all bugged out or glazed over. And I would know that they had no freaking idea what the hell just went on there in their reading. Well, that's when I would put up this photocopy of like one excerpt like Mikhail Foucault's Archaeology of Knowledge or some shit, and just put up a nice passage and then tell them what we're going to do is we're going to translate this into regular human <laughs> speech, okay? We're going to take this French little shit, who I adore, by the way, and we're going to make him ready for the common man because he would have cared about that, believe me. And then what I would do is I would just go around the room and pick volunteers. I never was one of those teachers that said you, and then you get the panic and you flush red, and maybe you're an introvert. That just seemed like unmedicated torture, and I wasn't into that. So I would say, anybody, you know, want to give me a read here? And then let somebody read a paragraph, and then let somebody else read a paragraph, and then I would say, okay, now we're going to sit here. And I want you to try to tell me what the most important sentence is on this page. And then again, you know, they've been taught to not think. Do you know what I mean? Taught to not think for themselves. Taught to think about what the teacher thinks. Okay? And if you've been to graduate school, you will know that a lot of us are taught to think like the academy thinks. It's really hard to break that shit. They would say, well, it looks like this long sentence here, but I don't know why. So we would just break it down into normal speech. Well, right here, he's just saying that the ontology of language, you know, what is ontology? Well, just you know, let's just make it really simple. Let's miss all the deep nuances and heavy thought. The beginning, you know, that there was just a primordial yelp before that and that we are assigning meaning to words as we go along. It's an experience that we're having. And while we're having it, we're also assigning all this meaning. And, and I said, now, how do we put that in a normal way? And then I would have them think of a rap song or a rock song or whatever they were into, country song, and find one that encapsulated that idea. This was really cool because it allowed them to be a little wild. You know, it just, it was like letting... Oh, I said I wouldn't say chickens. So um, letting the dogs out of the yard, let them run in the woods a minute. And when they did, they lit up and they found their own meaning in that moment. And honestly, they understood the person they were reading a lot better. They suddenly felt like, well, we could sit down and have a chat, maybe a cup of coffee, a beer, because it was no longer out of their realm of understanding. And I can't shake this moment with my student who said that I did that for her. It's been laying on me. And I think it has a lot to do, of course, as a teacher. It has to do with um, 
Sorry about my dogs. I think they found a squirrel. It has to do with my sadness that I had to be the one. I don't know if that made any sense. I know there are others. I personally know others. I mean, hell, I was inspired by others that were older than me who let me do this kind of thinking. And I know that word let is really problematic, but I'm kind of speaking to the fact that, I don't know, some of us have been so stripped of our wild that we don't know that we can do that kind of thing. It never even occurs to us in quite a few situations. So, you know, leave it to my little rebel ass that this was the only way I wanted to teach. Now, my students, you know, since, oh, the first time I ever taught a live class, 2000, so 20 years, have gone on to be lawyers and real proud of that one. Well, there's more than one, but there's one I'm real proud of. And um, they've gone on to be dentists and doctors and mummies and daddies and all kinds of cool things. And over the last, I don't know, I think I got Facebook in 2006. Was that right? So since then, whatever that is, I've had lots of students write to me and say, you mattered. You let me think in a different way. Or you encouraged me. One or the other. You know, it's one of the real reasons that I can't let go of Facebook. I want to so much and I can't. It um, seems like a sin to me to cut off that contact. But y'all, the problem is, and I may be opening a big old shit can of worms right now, is it never mattered before to me. I never cared before that these students didn't know who I really was, you know, that they only knew the teacher me, that they didn't know that a witch was teaching them, didn't matter to me because to me you don't stand in a classroom unless it's a religion classroom and go on and on about your damn religion it, or your spirituality it's just um it's invasive you know you've it's manipulative you've got the higher hand it's not cool so i never did and now we got us a problem where you know us being the royal us where I'm friends with all these darlings and I don't want to offend them, break the heart, lose them. You know how it goes. Because they're friends with me on my government name page. And I've been studying, and I think it's one of the reasons I haven't even podcasted in a while, on how badly I want to incorporate the fractured sides of myself. I want to come completely out of the closet. I don't want to live like this. It's, it's, ugh. it's not that I want to push it in people's faces. It's that, um, a lot of the projects I want to do, a lot of the things or a podcast I would want to do or an article that I publish underneath my real name, I would really love to share with, well, y'all, you know, or my pagan friends. I can't, I can't, uh, live in the Bible belt and, um, my husband is afraid we'll have a cross burning in her yard. And I'm afraid that something wild in me is dying because of all this damn hiding. I mean, after all, I have lost most of my family. And um, by proxy, my children have lost family. And see, I know some folks might say, well, you know, just be you and, you know, fuck them. And if they can't love you, well, now, okay, I agree. But are we considering other people that are affected? 
by our choices. And that's, I know, if you're a witch out there listening to me, that's a crisis you've had yourself. I mean, if you've got a soul, that's a crisis. Because what about your kids? You know, what about your partner? What about your mama? And it's just, it's difficult. I'm sure y'all can see why. So trying to find that place in me that would allow me, give permission to me to tear the preface out of my book (laughs) and let people judge for themselves, that kind of bravery, I thought I was a badass until now. Yeah, I'm pretty disappointed in me too. But y'all are pretty much the only ones I can be honest with. Well, at least when it comes to this. I have to suck it up and bite my tongue and pretend. And I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't. I, I, I thought I would literally lean into the microphone today and tell you where I'm at. And what has stumped me in the last few months, besides, you know, regular seasonal depression and COVID, you know, the world's burning and going to hell. What has stumped me on being able to speak to you because I was afraid if I did, I would say this. Well, you know, two tears in a bucket. Fuck it. This is where I am. But while thinking about going wild and while thinking about the freedom it gives you to think for yourself and be yourself and while going through all that in my head, I I thought about my son, my oldest son, and I'm going to be careful because I don't think he'd want me sharing too much, but it's about time he became fodder for one of my podcasts, the others have. And when this pandemic hit, my eldest son, he's 28, working on 29 this May, which is about heartbreaking for me because in my head he's 12. And I think he should go to his room. But when this all hit, you know, we have a tiny family because of all the loss, you know, because of my my spirituality, because of my religion, because of my refusal to not hide the truth. That kind of thing uh, cost us. And we are now just a family pretty much of five. And then we have the tribe, you know my students, and they have their personal friends. But a family, it's tiny. It's tiny. My daughter-in-law has her parents and her family, but, you know, they don't know. So I've just got this. And so my oldest, we'll call him, nope, we won't call him anything. My eldest boy quit his job. Now, at first, it wasn't an outright quit. He said, take me off the schedule back in March. And he did it because he did not want to give me COVID. All right. So my youngest did the same thing. He had just started a beautiful job. They're both in the cooking industry and um, restaurants. And he did the same thing. And they did it because they didn't want mama to die. Yeah. No guilt there, right, kids? Bat children, I tell you what, that kind of stuff will keep you up in the middle of the night. He had a wonderful career. He was making really good money for his job and his age. And he had a little piece of savings. And he let it all go for me. I told him that he didn't have to. But we knew what the alternative would be. The alternative would be he couldn't come to Sunday night dinner. He couldn't come to Christmas. You know, we just weren't going to take that shot, that chance. And then, well, we found out, you know, also that daughter-in-law was pregnant and we didn't want anything to occur with that pregnancy or that baby so what I'm saying is he gave up his entire world for his tiny little family you can see why it's hard for me to come out of the closet what would you do for your family to protect them however what else he did was he went wild and I mean in the best 
possible way. You know what? The year before, he had said to me, Mama, I wish I could just take a year off of work. (laughs) It's all his fault, y'all. We can all blame him. I wish I could take a year off of work and learn how to do new things and spend some time learning the garden and learning how to grow things and do all this. Well, he got his wish. That young man has, uh, he's learned everything that I could possibly teach him. He, he's about to become a master gardener on top of that, so I'm real proud of him. But, I mean, any given day, you could find him out there mushroom hunting. He's learned how to do identification. Uh, he knows how to propagate plants. He fully understands how to can certain things, and he's learned. He's learned a lot. Now he's um, carving uh, elderberry beads on the regular. Elderberry, I didn't even know this. You know, he taught me this. He didn't know it when he arrived either. But we have elderberry everywhere out here. I planted it literally everywhere. And um, it's hollow. The wood is hollow. It makes for a beautiful bead, and it carves gorgeously. So he started carving elderberry beads, and... We grew um, Job's Tears. I've got a little article about that over there on my blog at southernfriedwitch.com. And we grew those, and they're wonderful and beating. So he's learned so many things. He went literally wild. Carving, walking in the woods, saved a dog. (laughs) No schedule, just learning. And uh, I got time with him. I wouldn't have had any other way. I don't think either of us are ever going to forget this year. But he was able to learn how to craft, you know. He was able to learn how to craft. Outside of just getting up and going work and coming home and playing whatever it is. I'm going to date myself, Game Boy or whatever. What is all that? What is all that? Xbox. This was different. He can identify. What is that? That's purslane. You know, he got to go wild for a year. And that in itself is a blessing to find your heart, to find your personality in the woods. You get closer to the real, the bone and the sinew of who you are when you get close to bone and sinew. And that was what he did. You know, at this point, I told my best friend not too long ago that I think my son's done gone feral. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not in my estimation, if he's happy. And I think all of us could use a little feral in the craft. I mean, we've talked about it a thousand times. Dogma kills spirituality. It does it all the time. You have too many rules and too many damn boundaries. I mean, you can ritualize yourself into an empty cave if you keep it up. I mean, there's nothing wrong with ritual. We have rituals. But the craft itself, I, I just, it's... It's like some of those professors I used to have, you know. I mean, if you're only going to go by the preface and what we should think and what we should do, are you learning anything new? Are you just some kind of monolith, some kind of headstone for academia and what it should be? And the one thing I don't ever want to be is a headstone for the craft. But then, y'all, I've got to balance that somehow. How in the hell do I become more feral in my craft? Closer to that bone and sinew. How how do I do that and negotiate this public government persona? I really, truly do believe it's a losing battle. 
and I have a really bad feeling about which side's gonna lose. You feel me? I mean, here's a problem. How about this one? I've had so many folks tell me over there on my government name that I should do a podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the irony. Um, and, you know, and I should do these videos on, I mean, I do everything, y'all. I know how to can. I know how to pickle almost anything. I write my own recipes. I, I can get a Tabasco plant to live five years. I've got homesteading advice. I've, I, I can't do it. My voice will be the same and someone will connect the dots. Does that make any sense? I know. I'm a, yeah, I'm chicken shit. I found a way to say chicken, didn't I? I'm chicken shit. I, I'm, a, I'm not ready to blow up my kid's world or my husband's world. And, you know, it's inevitable. Occasionally I get found out by this one or that one and they say I'm just a eccentric or a hippie. I'm sure a lot of my ex-colleagues would say batshit crazy. I don't know. I can't do that. I can't. I can. I can, but I will warn y'all that uh, in your 50s, I don't know about 60s yet, but in your 50s, you slow down. You work on impulse control in a way that, well, at least I do, because growing up, I didn't have any of that. I was yippee ki motherfucker, burn that bridge. You know, that was me. And now I'm like, well, how did that work in the past? You know, I'm negotiating my life lessons up against what my soul wants to do. My soul, my spirit wants to become whole. And, you know, it just reminds me so much of uh, the whole point of my dissertation that I did back in the day when I got my doctorate. And it was focused on how, you know, 20, 30,000 years ago, the idea of goddess, goddess herself, like the great mother goddess, regardless of which face she's showing to you, she wasn't fractured in half. She wasn't half whore, you know, if you're sexual, you know how that goes, right? Or and half angel. She wasn't that. She was all of it. She was malevolent and benevolent. She was a creator. She was a destroyer. She wasn't sliced in half to keep the common citizen calm. She was all these things, this beautiful, multifaceted, well, you can tell I'm a goddess worshiper, I suppose. But what I'm saying is, is that I, I want to be in her image. And so much of what's happening to me, I realize, is what I was writing against in 2006 and seven. And what I've published on and what I've gone to big conferences and delivered speeches about that you can't have it that way. That's what the Christian church did. Got this perfect virginal Mary who's really kind of a goddess. You feel me? And all other goddesses, well, they just, you know, two-bit pirate hookers. So I feel like I'm trying to push and mesh all these places in me back together (laughs) with a really gnarly scar down the middle. And um, not sure I'm going to do that. So I suppose today's episode is not about, you know, me giving you advice. No, honey, I think today's episode is about what the fuck am I going to do? And I don't know if any of you go through this. 
and don't worry, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, I always do. But I'm having me a little bit of an existential crisis, y'all. Damn, it had been so much easier just to be Christian. Can you imagine? I could publish in that field and... Hold on, I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Big old sinner over here. I could publish in that field. I could own it here in Alabama. I could wear their, you know, crucifixion device around my neck and I would be accepted. I would be accepted and it just doesn't feel fucking fair because I accept my Christian friends and I just love the hell out of them, just the dickens out of them. And I don't judge them on that. I'm like, cool, do you? I can't do me. And I'm attached to this land. I love this birthplace of mine. And I don't find it fair that I have to give it up just to be who I am. There were people on this land witchifying every damn thing hundreds of years ago. Well, I I damn straight know that my Cherokee ancestors were, and they weren't the only ones. Frustrating. All right, I don't know the answer. I'm working it out, and I'm taking y'all on the ride, and I hope that's okay. I hope I haven't shocked anybody. Well, I will tell you this. It, it just doesn't help not to be brutally honest, at least with the people I know I can be. Well, it's not like I'm dishonest with the others. It's just that I keep my mouth shut till tears are nearly running out of my eyes, and that grimace on my face starts to look like the Joker. I just keep my mouth shut, y'all. Does that sound like me? <laughs> Like a livable place for me to be. Because <laughs> it's not, honeys. It's not. And you know, maybe one day the South, if it does rise again, the way I'm okay with that would be if it rose in a way that accepted everybody. I mean, I'm one of them. I've got red clay mud in my bones, in my blood. My feet are permanently stained that color. And I've tried to abrasion that shit off. Let me tell you something, honey. You can't do that after 54 years. It's my heritage too, damn it. And I've lost a lot. I lost my job in 2014 over this very issue. I lost my family over this very issue. So I reckon it's like PTSD in a way. I don't want to lose anymore. Does that mean that this is the way I have to live the rest of my life? You know, the last time we met, I talked about soul tax. And if you remember that podcast, then you would know that it's the tax you pay to, well, to basically do you for the day, whatever your choices are. My tax is so heavy, y'all. It's like bricks on my soul. And I'm trying to carry it for my kids, for my husband. It'd be nice if I could figure out a way to make money as a witch. (laughs) But then again, that seems antithetical to everything I am. So, I'm uh, I'm struggling. That's where I am. So, after a year of y'all reaching out to me, I I reckon I'm reaching out to you. I hope that's alright. I love y'all. I'm trying to find a way to end this in some kind of a happy place. I mean, I've still got beautiful, happy things. Oh, I found a way. Okay. All right. All right. Hold on. I'm going to light a cigar. And the cigar I'm lighting is the one that I got the night my first grandchild was born in October. So hold up. I know. I know. Don't inhale. So. 
She's beautiful, y'all. I wish I could show you a picture, but I gotta protect her. She's beautiful. Looks ridiculously like me and my son. But when she smiles, she looks like her mama. She's got big, huge, round globe eyes. And they're this dark sort of gray-blue. And she's got a mohawk of dark hair. Practically black, and it sticks straight up in the air. And she's intuitive and smart and sweet. Smells like sugar pie. And she's what I thought I'd never have. I never thought I'd get one. And uh, I want to live for her. So I'm going to be getting that damn vaccine. Y'all don't yell at me. It's what I want to do. That's my choice. I'm getting the vaccine. And um, I'm hopefully on the list. I think I am. I just want to see her, you know. I just want to see her run through strawberries. I want to see my magical little witch grandbaby. I want to see her grow up. I want to have something in that pot of life. She's made it all worth it for me. So... There's that. There's my little witch angel baby. She's two months old. And every day is a surprise. My son sends me pictures every day of her. They're in our pod. We don't see anybody else. And I get to hold her and kiss her on her face. And oh, she just started smiling for the first time. (laughs) Big, huge, gummy smiles. And I tell you what, that'll take all the pain in the whole world away. It surely will. All right, I reckon that's enough. This is Seba the Southern Fried Witch, and I am signing off, and I hope all of y'all are safe. Wear your mask. we got to see what 2021 is going to bring. And if you feel a little feral, explore that. There's nothing better than being wild, baby. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.